All right, good morning again. It's great to be together, whether uh, you're able to be in the building with us this morning or if you're at home, again, greetings. Uh, For seasonal reasons, we're gonna take a break from the Gospel of Mark. We're gonna pick up. (laughs) For seasonal reasons, we're gonna take a break from the Gospel of Mark and set it aside for a little while the rest of the year. After the first of the year, we will pick it up again. So I'm excited about where we are today and I'm gonna be excited to be taking up the Gospel of Mark and finishing the last few chapters in the new year. Uh, this morning, we, uh, the scripture before us is going to be some scripture taken from uh, Kingdom Club, actually. So Kingdom Club, if you don't know, most of you do know, but First Pres has been hosting this awesome Wednesday evening children's program, K to fifth grade, for 24 years. And so thousands of kids now have been through that program. And a part of that program employs, uh, in order to communicate the gospel and to build into the lives of young people, a variety of means. Uh, Games, crafts, music, food, food, and the scriptures. And uh, this morning, our scripture is going to be their scripture for this past fall, the fall that they're still continuing. Every year during Kingdom Club, every semester, they've got a select handful or so of passages of scripture verses that they memorize, they uh, post them on the walls, they send them home as flyers, and their scripture is going to be our scripture this morning. Before we get to that, though, let's pray. God, help us to be attentive to your words and to your word. Speak to us, give us ears that are good to hear, eyes that are Good to see hearts that are fertile soil to receive what you would have us know and learn and understand and become. I pray and ask that as my words are true to your word, that they be taken to heart. If my words stray or deviate in any way from your word, may they be quickly forgotten. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And so the kids uh, during Kingdom Club this fall are memorizing a verse at a time, Psalm 100, which only has five verses That's gonna be our scripture using some uh, photos of scripture uh, handouts that are actually on the walls over in B100 right now. Listen closely, Psalm 100, it goes like this. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Not gladness, but that too. (laughs) Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. The New American Standard Version of this verse goes like this. Serve the Lord with jubilation. How often do you use that word in your life? Serve the Lord with jubilation. Come before him with rejoicing. Verse three, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Therefore, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever, ever, His faithfulness continues to all generations. And you know, I think you know, you may know, you'll know in a moment, that in the ancient Hebrew text of this and all of the Psalms and all of the Old Testament scriptures, there were no vowels in their text. If you're chiseling everything out on stone tablets, why waste time on vowels? So not only did they have no vowels, but they also had no punctuation marks. But I think when the ancient Jewish people recited and sang 
Psalm 100 and many other Psalms, that they must have spoken and sang and declared with exclamation points at every one of these points. So what I wanna ask you to do is, is if you're able to stand with me now and let's read, recite, proclaim these verses out loud together with exclamation points. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pastures. Therefore, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen. And you may be seated. I don't think a lot of Presbyterian churches out there could do that. But that, in some sense, is how we ought to show up every Sunday morning, whether we're here or at another church or at home on live stream, and really, to some degree, every day of the week. Shout, worship, know, enter, and give thanks. For the Lord is good, and his faithfulness has continued and will continue through all generations. Shout, worship, know, enter, give thanks. And so we find this message not just in Psalm 100, this message of giving thanks, not just in Psalm 100, but in many Psalms and in many places throughout the scriptures in many ways and with many different words said in a variety of different uh, forms. And we ought to clue into that, that this holiday that we call Thanksgiving that involves turkey and dressing and football and travel and the busiest flying day of the year in our country, family and friends, really points to this far greater reality and truth and activity or disposition or discipline or awareness that literally permeates not only the Psalms but the Scriptures. What began or has its roots, had its roots in an autumn harvest festival by 50 or so survivors of the Plymouth colony and some indigenous guests in the year 1621 has, in, has evolved into this federal holiday, busiest travel week of the year, but is also loaded with biblical truth, wisdom, guidance, significance, importance, gravity. And so in many ways, it's my favorite holiday of all the holidays throughout the year, whether religious or not. It's a time to elevate, it's a time to promote the declaration, give thanks to the Lord, to elevate it and to promote it from refrigerator magnets to one of the core daily practices of the children of God and of all people. But why? Why all people, why us, why elevate this so common phrase? There are several reasons. First, gratitude recognizes or acknowledges the source, with a capital S, of everything good in the world and everything good in our lives. In the words of the author of the book of the Bible called simply James, who's thought to be one of the brothers of Jesus, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, Every good and perfect gift 
is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Anything and everything that in any way, shape, or form is good in the world and good in your life and mine, one way or another came from God and comes from God. In the words of the great fourth century theologian, the Archbishop of Constantinople, Gregory Nazianzus, recognize to whom you owe the fact that you exist and that you breathe, that you understand, that you are wise, and above all, that you know God and hope for the kingdom of heaven. You have been made a child of God, co-heir with Christ. Where did you get all of this and from whom? What benefactor has enabled you to look out upon the beauty of the sky, the sun in its course, the circle of the moon, the countless number of stars with the harmony and order that are theirs, like the music of a harp? Who has blessed you with rain, with the art of husbandry, with different kinds of food, with the arts, with houses, with laws, with states, with the life of humanity and culture, with friendship and the easy familiarity of kinship, who? As Gladys said to the children, where else, from whom else, in whom else is there mercy and forgiveness and hope? No one. So gratitude recognizes and acknowledges the source of every good thing in our lives, your life, my life, and the world. Second, and related, gratitude sorts out and clarifies one's relationship with God. Gratitude puts right one's relationship with God. Gratitude affirms that God is the creator and that we are the created, that God possesses power and authority and that we do not, that God provides and that we receive. Gratitude is more than good manners. Rather, gratitude professes one's dependence on another. Gratitude professes one's need for another. And so third and related again, gratitude cultivates humility in a person. Gratitude may even require humility. Gratitude says there are no self-made people. Gratitude says I am not a self-made person. What I have, what I have accomplished, who I am, it's all a gift from another. And so forth, gratitude allows a person to receive. Gratitude allows a person to receive. Gratitude frees up a person to receive. Apart from gratitude, a person cannot receive, at least not with some, without some degree of smugness or defiance or pride or arrogance. As if he or she deserved and deserves what she has given, but gratitude allows a person to receive unashamedly and with joy to receive gifts and kindness and affirming words and love. And then fifth, gratitude gives birth to contentment and along with that, a form of peace. When a person practices gratitude, his focus is not on what he doesn't have or she doesn't have, but instead is on what she has already been given and on the giver. Gratitude counteracts the forces of more, instead choosing to appreciate what one already has, whatever they may have, whoever they may be, whatever they may have, almost regardless of what it is and the amount of it one has. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians, the Christians in Philippi, from prison, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. 
I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or one. I can do all of this through God who gives me strength. And Paul, you remember in his letters, was the guy who was always thanking, who was always expressing gratitude and was always in many different ways, shapes and forms across his letters encouraging the Christians to be thankful, to express gratitude, to give thanks to God, whatever their situation, for what they had received, for what they would receive in Jesus. And then there's science, which again is not anti-faith or anti-scripture, but instead often affirms what we see in the scriptures, what we hold to be true, and this just happens to be specifically very clearly the case also with gratitude with giving thanks. So, according to a number of scientific studies, gratitude opens doors to more relationships. Acknowledging others' contributions, thanking them, makes people more likely and eager to continue in a relationship with one. Gratitude improves one's physical health. Again, this is science. According to a 2012 study, grateful people experience fewer headaches and pains, and they report feeling healthier than other people. Third, gratitude improves psychological health. Health. Gratitude reduces a multitude of toxic emotions ranging from envy and resentment to frustration and regret. And so gratitude effectively increases happiness and reduces depression. Fact. Four, gratitude enhances empathy and reduces aggression. Grateful people are less likely to retaliate against others even when given negative feedback. Grateful people experience more sensitivity and empathy toward other people and a decreased desire to seek revenge. Fact. Five, gratitude improves self-esteem. Studies show that gratitude reduces social comparisons. Rather than becoming resentful toward people who have more money or better jobs or whatever, which is a major factor of reduced self-esteem or lower self-esteem, grateful people are able to appreciate other people's accomplishments. Six, gratitude increases mental strength. For years, research has shown gratitude not only reduces stress, but it may also play a major role in overcoming trauma. A published 2006 study found that Vietnam War veterans with higher levels of gratitude experienced lower rates of post-traumatic stress disorder. A 2003 study found that gratitude was a major contributor to resilience following the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001. Recognizing all that you have to be thankful for even during the worst of times in one's life fosters resilience. And seven, gratitude, grateful people sleep better, as it turns out, according to a published study in Applied Psychology. And then there's this. Kids, speaking to the kids who are here with us this morning, if you want to get on your parents' good side, say thank you, express gratitude, and do it regularly and often, and you'll see what sort of effect that has on them and then on you. Conversely, the opposite is true with all of the above. It's nearly impossible for an ungrateful person to have a healthy and life-giving relationship with God, to receive God's grace, to accept God's mercy, to see God's goodness. 
and ungrateful people are lonely or less empathetic, less healthy physically, mentally, and psychologically. And ungrateful kids often bump heads with their parents. And ungrateful parents often bump heads with their kids. And so how does a person become grateful? How does gratitude become a part of one's DNA, who one is? Some, it seems that some people are born grateful. And for others, gratitude just seems to happen to them as they see and experience God's grace. For the rest of us, there are a few things that we can do that one might do to cultivate gratitude. And these things are decidedly not rocket science. First, pray. Many of us as children or young people were introduced to the formula for prayer called ACTS, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, or asking God to supply us with what we need. Begin with adoration, with praise, with honoring God. Confess one's sins. And then before one gets to asking for one's needs or intercession or petition, supplication, spend time in thanksgiving, thanking God specifically and intentionally for all kinds of things. Second, speak words of gratitude to people. Say thank you sincerely to your spouse, to anyone who helps you or to anyone who helps or serves others, to the postal carrier who delivers your mail, to the shelf stalker at Trader Joe's, to your kid's soccer coach, to the kid, your kid's soccer team's referees, <laughs> whose calls you certainly always do not agree with. But I'm serious. When was the last time you thanked someone who served you even if you didn't disagree with them, didn't agree with them, or didn't like their calls? To the person in the Philippines who helped you make a hotel reservation, regardless of how long it took. To the police officer who gave you a ticket for texting and driving or running a red light or a stop sign, he may have saved someone's life. Give thanks to him or her in spoken words. And then write, write notes of gratitude, somehow taking the time to get out a piece of paper and an envelope and find those little sticky things that they put in the upper right-hand corner that I think are called stamps. <laughs> somehow makes the act of expressing gratitude more important, more significant, and more powerful, not only for the sender, for, but also for the recipient. And then do a regular gratitude inventory of one's life which can be annually, which I've done, or monthly, which is good, or weekly, or even daily, or maybe even multiple times a day. Reflecting on God's grace in one's life in its various forms, which in someone else's words may sound like this. I am grateful for the teenager who is complaining about doing dishes because it means she's at home and not on the streets. For the husband who sits on the couch watching sports all the time because it means that he's not out at bars. For the taxes I pay because it means that I'm employed. For the mess that needs to be cleaned after a party because it means that I have friends. For the clothes that fit a little too snugly because it means that I've had plenty to eat. 
for a lawn that needs mowing, windows that need cleaning, and gutters that need fixing because it means that I have a home. For all the complaining I hear about the government because it means that we have freedom of speech for the parking spot that I find at the far distant end of the parking lot because it means that I have transportation and I'm able to walk. For my huge heating bill because it means that I'm warm. For the woman behind me in church who sings way off key because it means that my hearing is pretty good. For the weariness and ache of muscles at the end of a day because it means I've been capable of good hard work. All of which reminds me of a short reflection on one's life that has been attributed through history to an unknown Confederate soldier who wrote, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked God for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. And I, among all people, am most richly blessed. And so is cultivated gratitude to God. I think of the testimony of Johnny Erickson Tata, and some of you know her story. As a teenager dove into a body of water hit the bottom and was paralyzed from the neck down immediately and for the rest of her life. But as she tells it, that event in her life fostered incredible gratitude that she in retrospect in the latter part of her life now realizes that she never would have been able to have had that not happened to her. And she and no one else would ever say that God did that. But out of that and out of our hardships and out of the things we complain about and the things we don't like and the things that are hard, God can nurture and cultivate within a person gratitude, making that person, forming that person, shaping that person more and more into the person that he would have us be. And so is cultivated gratitude to God in contrast to the messages of Madison Avenue. Researchers have estimated that the average American today is exposed to up to 10,000 advertisements through billboards, TV, radio, internet, Google searches, email, dot, 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 up to 10,000 advertisements a day, all of which say to us in different ways, you need this, you need that, you don't have enough, you need more, this product or thing will change your life. Thanksgiving, even as much as there is some giving thanks to the Lord going on in and around the Thanksgiving holiday. 
Thanksgiving is still in our culture eclipsed by end of the year consumerism that no longer even has the good manners to wait until one's Thanksgiving turkey has been digested before beginning its cacophony. The noise now begins before Thanksgiving in mid-November and early November in October, in some ways in September, so that the voice of gratitude or calls to gratitude to a benevolent and generous God are now effectively, for many of us, drowned out. The great 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, you say if I had a little more, I would be very satisfied, but you are mistaken. If you're not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied with more, even if it was doubled. And so it's time for us and for the church to reclaim giving thanks to the Lord thoughtfully and sincerely and communally and in our homes, in our hearts, out loud, to one another, for one another, as a necessary and a life-giving and a Christ-in-us-forming practice or regular discipline of the Spirit for our spirits, for our hearts, for our well-being, for the glory of God, regardless of one's current circumstances, regardless of how things are with one in the moment. Thomas Merton wrote, to be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything God has given us. And he has given us everything. Every, every breath we draw is a gift of his love. Every moment of existence is a grace. For it brings with it immense graces from him. Gratitude, there, gratitude therefore takes nothing for granted and is never unresponsive, is constantly awakening to new wonder and to praise of the goodness of God. For the grateful person knows that God is good, not by hearsay, but by experience. And that is what makes all the difference. John Calvin and the other Christian reformers in his stream continually emphasize the centrality of gratitude as a person's most important and validating response to God's saving grace. Gratitude is a person's primary and most important response to God's grace, and gratitude ends up being a foundational and essential component of the authentic and joy-filled Christian life. It simply is. Every virtue divorced from thankfulness is maimed and limps along the spiritual road. Marcus Tullius Cicero said, gratitude is not the greatest of virtues, it is the parent of all virtues. Willie Nelson said, when I started counting my blessings, my whole life turned around. And the 14th century Christian mystic Meister Eckhart wrote, if the only prayer you said in your whole life was thank you, that would suffice. If the only prayer you ever wrote in your whole life was thank you, that would suffice. I like Henry Nouwen's uh, call to gratitude as a practice and a discipline. He wrote, in the past, I always thought of gratitude as a spontaneous response to the awareness of gifts received. But now I realize that gratitude can also be lived as a discipline. The discipline of gratitude is the explicit effort to acknowledge that all I am and all that I have is given to me as a gift of love. 
a gift to be celebrated with joy. In the past, I always thought of gratitude as a spontaneous response to an awareness of gifts received. I can relate to that. But now I realize that gratitude can also be lived as a discipline. And so this morning, uh, as an activity, and maybe as the beginning of a discipline or the continuing of a discipline, we're gonna do something that we haven't done before just for fun. In front of you in the pew rack is a card that looks like not one in, or not enough in your row. Reach to a row behind or in front or raise your hand and an usher will bring you one of these. And on these cards, for those of you at home, it says, I am grateful to God for. And I wanna invite you this morning to open your mind to the things maybe that you haven't been grateful for in the past or haven't thought to be grateful for, as well as, and in addition to those things that we're easily grateful for. Again, if you don't have a card or if they're not enough in your pew, raise your hand right now and one of the ushers will bring one of those to you. And so what I wanna invite us to do is to spend about three minutes just doing an inventory of sorts. And in the space given here, and if you need more space, just continue on the back to write out the things for which you are grateful, have been grateful, maybe could be grateful, want to be grateful to God, the giver of all good gifts. And part of the purpose of this little exercise is for us to express our gratitude together as a body this morning. And so if you're willing, check the box that says, I'm fine with this being shared out loud as part of our congregation's prayers of gratitude and worship. And you can put your name on it or not, that's optional. And then as an act of worship in a couple of minutes, when we're done or had time to write and think, we're gonna bring these forward as an act of worship, as an expression of our corporate gratitude in the form that we often do when we celebrate communion, row by row coming forward. You don't have to do this, but I invite and encourage you to do it as a communal act. Again, if you're willing, check that box that says, I'm willing for these to be shared out loud. And then you can come forward, drop them in the basket, and return to your seat through the center aisle. And again, this is a way that we will worship God and that we can worship God. And then we will verbally If you're at home, you're uh, encouraged and invited to uh, do the same thing, but to use the chat in YouTube to write in things for which you're grateful, people, experiences for which you're grateful, whether they were hard or not. You're also welcome to use the email address info at fpcsm.org right now uh, as a way to submit. If you're at home, you can also use the Connect card. We're gonna take a couple of minutes of uh, reflection. Uh, I encourage you to think right, pray. Pray.